Well, I finally met as big a crybaby as I am. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's bad when your heart leaks out of your eyes so easily. You know, and, you, and our culture, you know, teaches, you know, guys need to be, you know, guys. What does that mean? So, anyway, I, I feel miserably when it comes to that. So, thank you for... I'm always going to think of you when I cry from now on. So, <laughs> if you can't come tonight, let me give you a quick overview. All right, and, and th- these books were written out of discipling process. It was some guys that come to Christ, and we started. Uh, I realized they'd grown up in church. They were all cultural Christians, and they knew stories from the Bible. They didn't know the story of the Bible, and the main character of that story is Jesus Christ. So here's the whole Bible in ten seconds. The whole Bible. Nothing, something, exiting, entering, united, divided, scattered, gathered, coming, going. All right? So, okay, I'll go a little bit slower. God creates the human race out of nothing. He turns the Hebrew race into something of great size and significance. They exit Egypt. They enter Canaan. The united kings stand. The divided kings fall. He scatters into Babylon, gathers them back to Judah. You get to the New Testament, four and a half centuries of silence. There's the coming of Christ and the going of the church. Does that make sense? And so tonight we'll learn... What takes place in each of those eras? Look at the Old Testament. And then where is the main character introduced in those eras? So, but but again, I'm doing it from the perspective. Every time I'm with you, I'm trying to do it. I want you to listen with two ears. Which one ear to listen for yourself. What can I learn from this? But the other ear, I want you to listen. What can I learn that I can teach others and equip others? And discipleship is really the the word, although I think in terms of equipping, uh, I want to equip them so they can minister to others. I always think multiplication. We will not reach the world for Christ through addition. We're going to have to multiply, and we do a pretty poor job of multiplying. Uh, our president asked me to share a story I shared at dinner last night about my sweetheart, Debbie, and I lied to you yesterday. It's not 37 years and nine months. It's 37 years and eight months. And today it's 37 years and eight months and one day. So she, he asked, they asked, how did, I had a marvelous dinner at President Mark and Elaine's home last night. And they asked, how did you meet Debbie? And I said, well, I was a college student and we both attended the singles conference in North Carolina, a state um, just north of South Carolina, which is kind of interesting they got that, how they did that. And so... <clears throat> The guy that taught me how to share my faith, how to share the gospel, he said, you see that girl there? That's the godliest woman I've ever met. She was a wog. So I, I wanted to meet her. I wanted to date. I was, you know, I come from a very dysfunctional, unchurched, non-Christian background, so I wanted to date a wog. So now, guys, I don't recommend this because it didn't work. Um, every afternoon during the break in the, the conference, I would run back and forth in front of her as she walked hand in hand with her boyfriend <laughs> and so it didn't work so conference is over I go back to college she goes back to Florida one month later I'm through with college and on staff at her church now all that was in process it's the providence of God and I'm roommates with her boyfriend <laughs> so oh it gets better so after <laughs> after a year um, and she, I'm over the high school ministry. He's over the junior high ministry. They're like 10 full-time uh, youth ministers. I mean, it's a huge church. I had no business being there because I'm a brand-new Christian. So <clears throat> I'm in the, the uh, education building, and I'm 
turning off the lights, locking it up. It's a Saturday night, and I hear a lady crying. So I walk down the hall to see what's going on, and I, I look in the door, and it's Debbie. And you know how you always sit in the same place when you go to class after lunch? You know, so she was going from seat to seat praying by name for each of her girls, and as she prayed for them, she would just weep. And so I'm outside, you know, she's in there, and I'm out here in the hallway going, oh, God, she is so godly. I want to date her. Would you take care of Mac? So I, I prayed. Now, my praying on the, on the prayer meter, you know, it, it kind of like, it's sincere. But, you know, it rarely just be vulnerable here i'm always going to be honest with you but just to be transparent it doesn't bump the fervency needle very often but those two weeks man we were bumping hard on the fervency meter uh needle and so i took mac on a long run he's just the nicest guy he's guy's much bigger than i am so i want to be real tired and i said mac we finished this mac i'm having women problems and he's so gentle and he goes oh you are I said, yeah, I want to date your woman. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, for the last two weeks, every time I've prayed about her and me, I've been strongly impressed that I was supposed to stop dating her. Well, man, I didn't wait, uh, hesitate a second. I put my finger right on his chest and I said, you need to obey God. So that was the easy part. Getting her to go out with me was the hard part. The first date we went, we were supposed to go bike riding. It rained, so uh, we couldn't really go bike riding in the rain. And I found this place where it was on, in Florida where the birds would come in and roost, and there are these big, huge egrets and spoonbills. They're big, pink, white birds, and it looks like the trees are alive. And we watched them come in, and then the clouds cleared, and God put a t double rainbow, you know, an inverted rainbow. And I went, oh, baby. <laughs> so then... Uh, I uh, went to propose, and, and I was a pretty big wimp about that, and I chickened out, and we walked and walked and walked and walked around this prayer garden. I'm trying to work up the nerve, because never talked to her about love, and never talked to her about marriage, and, and I, I was going to say I never kissed her, but that's a lie. I kissed her twice, just a couple weeks before, real quick ones, the first two kisses she ever gave, and I got them, and <laughs> so... So finally, I worked up the nerve, and I said, would you pray about something? And she said, yeah. I said, would you pray about marrying me? I said, what? You are the biggest wimp in the world. I said, wait, wait, I, I'm going to start over. Now, give me a mulligan. So it's, will you, uh, I'm sorry, it's a golf term. And uh, it's, it's like a, another chance. So <clears throat> she said, I said, listen, I've talked to your dad, and you know, I've prayed about this for a long time. I, I want to marry you. I'm madly in love with you. You're I can't talk about her too much. So, <clears throat> I'm thinking about Mark. And, um, <laughs> so I said, um, will you marry me? She says, yes. So I was kind of excited. And um, I went, went home and I got my prayer book and took her to her house. She got her prayer book. And we looked through where we'd been praying about, is she the one? Is he the one? And we had seven exact same verses confirming we were for one another. So I thought, ah, that's, you're, you're just amazing. 
So I go back to Atlanta, sell my coin collection because I didn't have any money, and uh, bought her a ring, and she picked me up at the airport, and I took her to this real nice place to eat. I mean, the chairs even moved. I mean, it was really nice. She didn't have to order off the thing. And so <clears throat> I gave her her ring, and with a magnifying glass, and at the right angle of the light, you could see the little diamond, and she was, she ooed and she awed. I knew she was lying, but, it, you know, I mean, it made me feel good. So then she reached into her purse and pulled out a little jewelry box, red velvet, and I still have it on my desk at, in my study at home, and my girls all through their years growing up would come in and look at it. And she handed me, I'm thinking, uh-oh, uh, I'm not going to wear no diamond ring. <laughs> you, you know, I'm thinking, what, what is she, you know, you don't do that. So, but I, I need to be polite. So <clears throat> I opened it up, inside was an old skeleton key, you know? and a ribbon wrapped around it, and it said, the key to my heart. And i, I got to be real careful here, because um, I always get choked up thinking about this. Um, and underneath was a note, and I still have the note. It's real faded now. It says, dear sweetheart, this is the key to my heart. I've never given it to another. It's yours for keeps. Whether you break it or not, it's always yours. I love you, Debbie. So... <coughs> And you know, I love her and I love her and I love her. And then when she goes and speaks at these lady in waiting conferences, she goes, the only thing worse than waiting is wishing you had. So, and I don't know. Um, oh, anyway. All right. So, let's review. Yesterday. Um, okay, we're good. All right. Uh, I obeyed the president. All right. We, we have to really listen fast this morning. All right. Yesterday, we talked about uh, three types of Christians. All right. Thank you, Jesse. One more. And... Uh, we emphasize biblical Christians, and we said biblical Christians range in terms of maturity, from immature to mature. So then we said spiritual maturity is a function of growth, and growth occurs in two areas. There's, there's this, I, I want to be close, I want to be intimate, I want to know you so I can fall passionately in love with you and bring you much honor and glory. There's that aspect, but then there's the horizontal. I, I want to look like him and act like him from the inside out. And my attitudes, my motivations, my actions, everything, I want to reflect Jesus Christ. So there are these two areas. So question, um, quickly, one here, one here, one here. Um, by the way, speaking of questions, are you the two that was here yesterday? Uh, okay, no, you were... <laughs> I may come back to you because I'm still thinking, you know, whether you're a typical Christian or biblical Christian. So, um, <laughs> what did you get out of yesterday? Very quickly. Anybody? All right. That makes me feel very good. All right. Um, here. What did you get out of yesterday? Anything? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And our tendency is to focus on one or the other, isn't it? Okay, over here. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, and 
and we'll come back to that later in our talk. You be their substitutionary atonement. Um, all right. Yes. Yeah, that's suffering is um, people that go through like, they don't want to get distracted, but like overseas and working in some of the Muslim areas and the persecution. Um, spent a lot of time behind the Iron Curtain before it fell back in the 80s. And some of the suffering they endured, they just know God a lot more deeply than I ever hope I will. Well, so, um, so we have this, these two areas. And, but, and I know my charts are real kind of clean and neat and organized, but this is how life usually looks, okay? Um, you know, that's how I feel sometimes. Right, anybody identify with this? Okay. This group over here really should, so um, <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Keeps me from crying. All right, but so today, I want us to emphasize typical Christians. What's going on in their lives? All right, so we're going to look at the typical Christian because this is where, unfortunately, we spend, and I say we generally, generically speaking, we spend so much of our time. The three characteristics. Number one, they, they tend to be frustrated. Because they do have Christ inside them. The Holy Spirit lives inside them. And, and he's uh, convicting them because he's grieving them. He's convicting them because they're quenching him. And so Paul says, I'm not practicing what I would like to do. I'm frustrated. But there's another characteristic. They tend to be defeated. Romans 7, 19. I'm not practicing what I'd like to. I'm, I'm practicing the very evil I don't want to or I do not wish to do. And so, ultimately, you get to verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. And they're just miserable. On the, on the plane up here, I read this book about this pastor addicted to pornography. And this is back before the Internet was really just saturated. And you just click on and this, this, all this nasty, nasty stuff. And so, he had these old magazines. And so, his wife went out of town and, and he pulled out his magazines. He's a pastor, mind you. So God was just convicting him and convicting him and convicting him. And so he finally says, I have to stop this. I have to separate from my sin. You know, God was working on the horizontal. So he took all of his magazines, went outside. He lived in an apartment complex and threw them in the dumpster. And then he went back in. And his wife was coming home in a few hours. But he said, oh, no. I want those magazines. So he went back out the dumpster, crawled inside, slipped, fell, broke his arm, and couldn't get out of that nasty dumpster. Till finally somebody heard him calling for help. And I can't, I can't escape. What is Proverbs chapter 5, verse 23? And he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction. And the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. He will be held with the cords of his sin. I think it's verse 22. So this guy was held with the cords of his sin. He's in this, I mean, it's so, it's, it's a picture of the life of a typical Christian wallowing around in trash and garbage and nastiness until he finally calls out because he can't get out in his own power. But he has to do something. Next slide. I think this. So to go to this young man's comment. It's not an either or. It's a both and. The Christian life. 
I must seek to live my life for Christ. I have to do that. But that's not enough. I must let him through the Holy Spirit live his life through me because I cannot climb out of the dumpster, but I do have to call. Make sense? So these are just some of the verses, uh, Philippians 4, 19. I can do, I, I can do it, all things, but there's not a period. Through him who strengthens me, I do, he strengthens. Colossians 1, 29, striving according to, I'm striving, I'm striving, or we, it says we striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I strive, he empowers. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 18, and, uh, and verse 19, um, if it's not the same context, but verse 18 says, you know, I'm not going to speak, I presume to speak of nothing except what Christ has done through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles. I produced the results, ah, but it was what he accomplished through me. So there's this both and. Now, what I'm going to share with you today uh, one, one more slide, please. Um, so, so the issue is, how do we as typical Christians learn to walk in the Holy Spirit's power? So He's, he's empowering me. He's um, uh, strengthening me. He's accomplishing through me. Aha. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Um, what does it say? Work, uh, we are to work out our salvation. But it's he who, who wills and works for his good pleasure. You see that? So the willing is he gives me the desire. And he works. He gives me the power. So I need both the desire and the power. And I can't often. I can't. I shouldn't say often. I just can't live the Christian life in my own power. It is he who wills and works for his good pleasure within my life as we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Okay, so, um, so we need to walk in the Spirit. In other words, how do we tap into the Holy Spirit's power? So now these next few slides, and there's several, I want you to listen with two ears. As we lead people to Christ, Debbie and I, we just don't lead them to Christ and leave them. We want to pour our lives in them. So in doing that, we're discipling them. And as we disciple them, we want to give them a vision, an understanding that crossing over into a right relationship with God is not the end. It's just the beginning. And so there's this lifelong journey. And we want to follow that, the Lord in this journey as biblical Christians. What does that mean? We are rightly related to Him in fellowship with Him as often as possible trying to practice constant conscious communion with Christ as we walk in the power of His Holy Spirit and manifest the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that makes us from the inside out look like Jesus. Now, that's what we want to help these new Christians do. We want to help them avoid falling back into typical Christianity. So... This is, uh, we have these things called one-verse methods. They're in little booklets. So we train new Christians to share the gospel using one verse of Scripture, John 3, 16. So it can be rapidly transferred to new believers. 
And then to teach them to walk in the power of the Spirit, we teach them what I'm going to show you today, this one-verse method, Galatians 5.16. So here's the verse. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So usually I'm writing this on a napkin because I'm meeting with men during lunch as we disciple them. So let's look at a few questions. Number one, why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? Answer, somebody quickly. <laughs> From, no, no. Ah, good. The ch- you're going to go to heaven. Go ahead. Okay, that's always the answer that's typically given. That is not incorrect, but it is incomplete. Watch this. So I circle the word. Go ahead, uh, Jesse. I circle the phrase carry out, and I explain. Now, you were so awed by my artwork yesterday, I spared no expense today. So I'm, I just went all out, and I said, man, these are such encouraging folks, and, you know, they, they really appreciated my little man growing, you know, immaturity. So <clears throat> I say, if, if the boat is your life, when you carry out something that displeases God, whether it's attitudinally or in your ambitions or your actions, it dishonors God. And yes, Jesus Christ, He died on the cross to forgive you for the penalty of that sin. But there's more. He didn't die on the cross just to forgive us for the penalty of our sin. He died on the, cry, on the cross in order to free us from the power of sin. So now, I'm not just justified, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be sanctified, set apart day by day to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So, Go ahead, Jesse. So then I circled the word not. He died on the cross not only to forgive us of our sins when we carry out something that displeases God, but he died on the cross in order that I don't have to carry it out, but I can carry out the things that do please him and bring him honor, brings him honor and glory and pleasure. I want to live that life, and I want these new Christians to live that kind of life. All right, so but the Christian has a problem. What causes you and me to constantly drift away from God and carry out our sinful desires? So I draw a little current. Jesse, thank you. There is, if my my life is wanting to go this way and honor God, there is this undercurrent that's pushing my life, that boat, pushing it as far and as fast as and hard as it can in the areas that displease God. And that current, Scripture calls the flesh. Think of 1 John chapter, yesterday we looked at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and 14. If you pick up with 15, 16, 17, it says, um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. The lust of the flesh, to do what I want to do. Not what God wants me to do, but what I want to do. The lust of the eyes, to have what I want to have. Not what God wants me to have, but what I want to have. And the boastful pride of life, to be what I want to be. Not what God wants me to be, but what I want to be. And this is inside of me. And I can't shake it. Have you ever noticed somebody cuts in front of you as you're driving? And you go, that person Oh, yeah, and it has a, uh, okay, you're a biblical Christian. And um, they have an ichthus sign, you know, you're you know, that person. But yet, have you ever been the person that cuts in front? And the guy behind you honks? 
And you go, that person. It's never this person. It's always that person. Because the flesh really likes itself. Always going to blame somebody else. There's just something inside of us. I've said, look, when you buy, um, if you buy one of those books, and by the way, I don't get a dime from any of that stuff. We use it for missionaries, the royalties, and we use the sales, any margin we use for um, scholarships for CIU students. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you come to seminary, um, all right, I'm going to carry it away here. Let's keep moving on. Um, forget that thought I didn't finish. All right. So, God's remedy. Who, who can set us free from the powerful influence of the flesh if we're not experiencing consistent victory over sin? Now, remember, the victorious Christian life is not that we're sinless, but we do sin less. Because we're going to find the walk in the Spirit is a constant refilling because we do blow it because that current does push us all right so go up to the third part of this i've numbered them you see on the verse where i've numbered them uh jesse circle uh, on the napkin i'll circle the spirit and i'll draw first i'll draw wind and then i'll write over the wind the spirit because the Spirit is very, very powerful. The wind can be much more powerful than the current. The Spirit is much more powerful than the flesh. And the Spirit is a he, not an it. The Spirit's a person, the person of God. So you have these laws, they compete and you think, well, the law of gravity, if, if I get pushed out of an airplane, I'm going to fall to the earth because of gravity and be a little greasy spot. Well, I've been pushed out of an airplane twice. Screaming and kicking and begging. and say, We were parachuting. And it was during finals week in college in which... I mean, it's amazing what the flesh will have you do to keep from, uh, to avoid studying for exams, right? So he said, you know, why don't we go parachute? And so, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You know, we might die, but, you know, we don't have to take exams tomorrow. So we got up there. It sounded like a great idea until I watched my buddy. He went through some power lines. And I went, I, mm, mm, I changed my mind. They said, no, you're going. I said, no, I'm not. And they said, I think this is where the crying started. But anyway, they pushed me out, and, and sure enough, I was on a zip line, and, or not a zip line, a, whatever you call it, that pulls a chute for you. And it opened up, and I glided down. I went, unbelievable. It was awesome. And it was really awesome since it was exam week. So, so there, there are laws that overcome laws. And Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and of death. So there's a law of sin inside of you called the flesh, the principle of sin, the principle of flesh. But there's a bigger law. And he has a capital S on his chest, right? I mean, he's super spirit. And he will set us free 
from the flesh. So then how do we appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we tap into His power? I can do all things through Him. There's Superman. Through Him. That sounded like the Hulk back there. Um, we must walk. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, walking involves two steps, and I've repeated these repeatedly yesterday and today. The first step, I must live my life for Christ. The second step, I must let Him live His life through me. Does that make sense? You follow me? Now, look, if I only take one step, I'm constantly going around in circles. And if you look at most typical Christians, their lives are going around in circles. So, what is the first step? Each of these steps involved a turning from and a turning to. So, the first step, living my life for Christ, I must turn from sin. Now, you see that X. All right, so how do I turn from sin? I confess to the Lord nine, nine powerful words. By the way, any relationship... They have the exact same effect and power. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love to hear people tell me those words. But I, the flesh, I've been crucified with Christ no longer. I who live, that, that I, that flesh really hates to say them. Because we want to protect self, right? So, I turn from my sin. Oh, God, what I did, that drifting back. It was so wrong, and I'm so sorry. You know, even to think about going back to the dumpster and then peeking in. See if I can just see one of the pictures open up. I mean, that is, that is so wrong. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. But then it's not just turning from my sin, it's turning to the Lord Jesus. So you see the helm, this little steering wheel, you know? Now don't laugh, you know, you encourage me now. So just wait, if you do, you just wait till tomorrow. So, so I, must, I must say, Lord Jesus, you know, by choosing to go to the dumpster was wrong, but in so doing, I was putting myself back on the throne of my heart 1 Peter 3.15, but set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. And I was setting myself back up as Lord. That was wrong. I'm so, so sorry. Please take your rightful position. You take over control again. You follow me? So it's just simple discipleship. But I want you to listen with two ears. Is there anything God's speaking, God's Spirit speaking to your heart on this? Personally. Because if you want to minister in power... You need to make sure you've internalized it and accepted it and claimed it as your own. Well, what's the second step? The second step involves a turning from and a turning toward. I call this the rededication cycle. What happens in a lot of churches, and you tell me if your church is like this, every so often there's an invitation and the pastor says, you know, we need to rededicate our lives to the Lordship of Christ. Do you ever have that kind of invitation? Raise your hands, please. Okay? All right? <laughs> These guys did a lot better than you guys did. Um, 
you're like, um, I'm real proud. I think you guys are rapidly moving to the front here. So, so I commit, I rededicate my life to the Lordship of Christ, and I go out and go, I'm going to be a good Christian. I'm going to be the best Christian there ever was. And so, I have my quiet time, right? Am I spending time alone with the Lord? Maybe not, but I sure am having my quiet time. And I start checking off all the things a good Christian does. And I am going to live the Christian life, but I'm living it in my own strength and effort. And this gets tired, tiring. And one day I wake up and it's like, Man, it's tiring. And that current begins to push and push and push. And I start drifting until the next time the pastor goes, you need to recommit, recommit your life to the Lordship of Christ. That's exactly right. Let's go. Now I'm going to be the best Christian. But it's hard. So I must turn away from my own effort. Now, I'm not saying we don't live our lives for Christ. We have to live our lives for Christ. It's, watch this. When I put those verses up, I can, do, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. There's some people, it's easier to go to a logical extreme than to stay in the center of biblical tension. So the logical extreme over here becomes humanism. I can live the Christian life in and of my own power. But if I go over here, it becomes this almost fatalism. I'm just going to let go and let God. Whatever, you know, if God wants it, God can have it. It's a unhealthy mysticism. There's this balance it's easier to go to a logical extreme than to stay in the center of biblical tension. So, I must turn to, to whom do I turn? The Holy Spirit. And how do I do that? By hoisting the sail of faith. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you to empower me to accomplish, to carry out the things that glorify the Father, and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't cause you grief, and I'm not wanting to quench you. Now, that's called, and there are all kinds of verses, Colossians 2, 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, how do I receive Him? By faith. So walk in Him. Well, how do I walk in Him? By faith. Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So this was what the, when we turn to the Holy Spirit, we say, Holy Spirit, you please empower me. This is what Scripture, um, Ephesians 5, verse 18, calls being filled with the Spirit. How many of you are familiar with MTV? Good. All of you as Bible college students be uh, familiar with mood, tense, and voice. Good. So, Pretty lame attempt. All right. So, let's start with voice. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. It's passive. So, it's, 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 I can't fill myself. I must let the, Holy, uh, the, the Father God fill me with His Holy Spirit. 
But in the tense, it's present continuous. What does that mean? I need to always keep being filled with His Holy Spirit. So I'm always looking to Him to empower me. That's where my trust is. It's not in my own effort. It's in His power, His might, His strength. And then, what's the mood? It's imperative, which means, this politely, this is a euphemism, it's not a suggestion. <laughs> oh, Bill, you might perhaps consider one day, you know, maybe letting me fill you. No, it's like, you know, let me have your attention. I need to be filling you right now. It's a command, not a suggestion. One last question. May we personalize this just for a moment. So now I want you to listen just with one ear. Jesse, hit one, please. Where are you? You may look good on the outside to people, but it's not the issue how we look on the outside to people, it's how we look on the inside before God. And He knows when we're drifting. He knows when we're carrying out the lust of the flesh because often the lust of the flesh in this environment is not going to be evident to other people, but will always be evident to the Father. And so... I may not be in that dumpster wallowing around in the garbage. But I still may be up in this apartment looking out the window going, I wish I hadn't thrown those magazines away. See what I'm saying? And if my heart and my mind and my thoughts are consumed with what I want to be, what I want to do, what I want to have, and not totally sold out to Him as the Lord of my life and so repentant for my drifting that my heart just breaks because I've hurt Him. And I realize there's part that I live my life for Christ, confession of sin and the Lordship of Christ and practicing the disciplines of grace. There's parts that I do, but I'm not trusting in my efforts to be a good Christian. I trust in His Holy Spirit to fill me and empower me and, and strengthen me to be and do who God wants me to be and what God wants me to do. So if you're drifting, and this is, this is what we, in our discipleship of others, it's a simple prayer, and, and I don't want to, please don't think that I'm making Christianity um, into a formula. As much as I like things to be in boxes, I cannot stuff God into a box. He's person. But there are some things like this next prayer that help me just get it in my mind until it becomes sometimes just, oh, Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer. But if you want a kind of a fuller, more theological um, expression of what we're trying to do here, It'd be something like this. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I mean, 
I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, please take back your rightful role, position in my life. I take the right step. But I don't stop there. And I confess, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to live life in my own effort. It doesn't happen. Holy Spirit, refill me. I'm sorry I quenched you. I'm sorry I grieved you. Refill me. And then as I go about my day, President Mark upsets me and I get in the flesh and I go, oh, I'm so sorry. That's so wrong. And I, I'm walking in the Spirit because sometimes there's a little, but because the walk, I'm constantly being refilled with Him. Not with it, but with Him. Let's pray. This is a week we're trying to set aside to focus in on the Christian life. And, and, and I, want, I really do want everybody to close their eyes, please, and bow your heads and just focus on you with that one ear. Did, did God speak to you this morning? Do you need to be refilled? Do you need to begin walking moment by moment in the power of the Holy Spirit? If God spoke to you in that way, just, just quickly and quietly, just raise your hand and just put it right back down. That's right. Just, I mean, it's, it's all of us, not all of us, but many of us around the whole auditorium. So let's pray together. If, if you raised your hand or, or if the flesh kept you from raising your hand, okay? Pray with me. Father God, I'm sorry I've been drifting. It's wrong. And I ask that you forgive me. Lord Jesus, please, this very moment, retake control of my heart. Lord, I'm learning more and more that I just can't live a life pleasing to you in my own power. So, Holy Spirit, please fill me. By faith, I trust that you will do so. I have a lot to learn, a long ways to go in terms of my spiritual maturity. But, Lord, I want to be a biblical Christian who grows fast. I want to grow in imitation of your son, Jesus, and in deep intimacy. Thank you, Lord. You're so wonderful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're dismissed.